morning, everybody. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the first time, or at least one of the few times, you've ever seen somebody up here in an apron. <laughs> so, well, thank you. So, uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, and first of all, man, it's good to see everybody here. Got all these scoundrel people back in the back over here. Um, so as, um, as I was reading a few days back, I was reading in Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission. And if you, if you know what the Great Commission is, Matthew 28 and 19, Brother Beckham's going to put that on the screen because since my hands are going to be getting dirty, I didn't uh, bring my iPad. Oh, I brought it, but I'm not going to be using it. So everything's written down. I didn't feel like writing down all these scriptures. We're going to go all over the Bible today. So uh, got a lot of scriptures. So Matthew 28 and 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so as I was looking at that, I'm sort of a geek when it comes to the Bible, uh, a nerd. And I have probably... 20 or 30 different versions of the Bible on here. And, uh, and I've probably got about 15 versions of the Bible sitting at my desk on, in actual paper. And so as I read in other translations, as a matter of fact, most of the modern translations, it says, go ye therefore into all the earth and make disciples of all nations. And so the, the versions that I looked at, and these are just the ones that I own, that say make disciples instead of teach, is the New King James Version, the New Living Translation, the New International Version, or NIV, Young's Literal Translation, uh, whatever NET is in the New English Translation, I think, New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, the Complete English Version, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, the Amplified. Uh, as a matter of fact, there were only one or two translations outside of the King James Versions that didn't say make disciples. And so I started thinking, like, man, what is a disciple? And so I looked that up. What is a disciple? And so Merriam-Webster de uh, describes a disciple as one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another, a convinced adherent of a school or individual. And so I was like, man, <laughs> I want to be a disciple. I want to be a convinced adherent of another person or our school, our school of thought. And so the person I want to be a disciple of is Jesus. All right. And so then I was like, well, how do I become a disciple? What is it? And then uh, I read over in Luke, Luke 9 and 23. Then he said unto them, all. Oh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I'd like to read that to you in the Amplified Version. I'm not, I'm not going to lean on Brother Beckham to show us the Amplified Version. But the Amplified Version of the Bible takes words and defines them in the in the text as you go. 
So if I were smart, I would have already had this pulled up, but nobody has ever accused me. So here's, here's that Luke 9 and 23 that you see on the screen in the Amplified versions. And he said to them all, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself. That means disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interest, refuse and give up himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living. And if need be, in dying also. So man, that's, that's strong, you know. To be a disciple, I, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of me and, and bring in Jesus. And, uh, and follow him and, and do the things that he wants to do. And be the person that he wants me to be, not the person that I want to be, not to do the things that I want to do, but to do the things that Jesus wants me to do. So there's a book out there. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just tell you all something that may surprise you a little bit, may shock you. I am not a fan of Jesus. Okay. I'm a follower of Jesus. All right. And so there's, there's a whole book out there called Not a Fan. And he goes in and he, he uh, describes the difference between a fan and a follower. You know, if you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, first of all, I apologize to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you're a fan, you know, you, you sit at home, you watch television, you may even go to a game, and, and uh, when they lose, eh, it's not that great of a day, but it really didn't change anything for you. And if they win, hey, we get to, we get to celebrate but again, didn't really change much for you. Man, if you're a follower, I got friends that are followers that <laughs> they've been depressed for the last 25 years <laughs> because when the Cowboys lose, it just ruins their whole week <laughs> and it tears them up. And so uh, those guys are followers of the Cowboys. Uh, so I, I want to be like that. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So then I was like, well, how, how do you become a disciple? Uh, you know, how, how does one just all of a sudden stop being what he was being and learn to follow Jesus or, or learn to start following Jesus, learn to give up himself and to, um, to uh, take on Jesus and, and to just follow him? And so... Uh, I don't know if some of you know this or not, but for the last few months, I've been cooking breakfast every morning for the church, and I do this as a as a, uh, a an attempt at fundraising for our building, and also it's because I felt like that's what I needed to do. The pastor's been talking to me about it for over a year, and uh, you know I have my own thoughts about what should be done. I have my own ideas, and we just never meshed. And finally, I went to him. And I said, "You know, Brother Rusty." I want to do it the way you want it done. I want to give up what I've got in here, what my idea is, and regardless of what of what I think should be happening or the, what we should charge or if we should charge or whatever, I want to do it your way because you're my pastor. I submitted myself to you. And so uh, back in November, I started cooking breakfast every Sunday, except for the Sundays I can't be here. And, uh, and I don't know... Uh, why? But, uh, you know, for the last 30 years of my life, I have never once made a biscuit. <laughs> All right? <laughs> uh, because it's easy 
to uh, open up a can of biscuits, and they're just as good, right? <laughs> uh, you know, they're, they're passable, they work, and so I've never made a biscuit. For, so for whatever reason, uh, about a month ago, I wanted to make biscuits. And uh, so I said, okay, we're going to make biscuits for, for breakfast uh, at church tomorrow. And so what did I do? That Saturday, I got out all my stuff, and I decided, well, let's see if I can make a biscuit, first of all. <laughs> and so so uh, I went looking on YouTube, and I, I found, uh, my grandpa used to make biscuits every morning. Uh, they would wake up, and every morning he made sourdough biscuits. And uh, he died when I was seven, so I never really got his recipe, if he even had one. And uh, so... I remember his big, flaky, golden biscuits, and I just, like, I want to make my grandpa's biscuits. So I started looking on YouTube, and I found this guy who is a chef, uh, a, a, a chuck wagon chef. And so uh, I figured, well, he was around about when my grandpa was alive. <laughs> so, uh, so I got his recipe, started making it. Now, he cooks everything on a wood-fired stove, and in Dutch ovens and everything, the real Dutch ovens, not that stuff that we have. And uh, so I, I, I put his recipe together. And now this man has an awesome recipe. As a matter of fact, I still use his recipe. He doesn't know anything about the temperature on an oven. When he wants to adjust his temperature, he adds more coals to his Dutch oven, <laughs> to the lid. Uh, so the first batch I cooked, whew, uh, we were about 100 degrees too low in that, in that cooking process. And finally, I had to realize, hey, I got I to gotta adjust up the temperature on this if I'm going to have any success. So uh, the title of my message today is Making Biscuits. All right. So I don't know if I just got this sudden desire to make biscuits because this message was coming or if this message is here because I got a sudden desire to make biscuits. All I know is that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I dreamed that I was doing this. And uh, I know exactly what this message is. I've already seen me teach it. So uh, <laughs> I know it's good. So you guys buckle up. If you don't think it's good, then uh, McDonald's has some pretty good biscuits. <laughs> All right. So I realized that making biscuits is a lot like making a disciple. Simple ingredients, relatively fast, relatively easy. But man, when, when you get the ingredients together and you get it all mixed in, you get it incorporated together, and, and you, uh, you form it, you knead it, you apply the heat to it, miracles happen. And you come out and you have something that smells great, it tastes great, it makes you fat. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have said that. Some of y'all won't eat them now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're going to start off with, uh, with the ingredients. So I've, uh, I've taken the opportunity to go ahead and measure things out and prep them so y'all don't have to be bored with me uh, prepping. But the first thing... I won't say the most important thing, but the most thing that you need is flour. Now, flour, to me, represents mankind. This is us. This is what we bring to the table. It's a bunch of 
bunch of raw things. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know it or not, but flour is actually dangerous. How many of you knew that flour was dangerous? All right. Before dynamite was invented, the biggest explosions in history were flour mills blowing up uh, because you get this, this uh, carbon-based life form, which all this is is just seed from a, from a wheat plant. And you get this carbon-based life form, you get that dust in the air, and it atomizes, and one little spark set it off, and you'll blow 500-pound stones 100 yards away. Uh, so a lot of the flour mills uh, back, in the, uh, back in the Middle Ages and everything would blow up and have devastating effects. So flour's like us. It's there. Basically by itself, it's worthless. It's dangerous in the right conditions or the wrong conditions, however you want to be. And, uh, and you can't really do a lot with it. Even on the, even on the uh, bag of flour, it tells you, Make sure you cook this before you eat it. This is raw. So even if it's even if all that is is just us, and I'm gonna put on gloves because I'm gonna get messy in a minute. Even if it's just us, and we don't add any other ingredients to this, this this is representing us. And the way I the way I figured that out is, Brother Beckham, if you put up Genesis two and seven. said, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So, you know, I've always pictured God forming man. And he had some clay there, and he formed him and made him into a man. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he formed him out of dust. It wasn't clay. It wasn't mud. It wasn't even dirt. It was dust. And so as I look at flour... I can't find a grain of flour in here. This is just dust. And so God took something like this and formed us out of it and breathed into us and made us a living thing. Okay, so flour is dust. Flour represents man. Next up, I started getting a little bit excited as I started reading these ingredients. Next up is sugar. Uh, how many of you are bakers out there? Got a couple, got a few. And so even in something like biscuits that aren't sweet, you want to put sugar. To me, sugar is not mentioned in the Bible, but so I went looking for something sweet that is mentioned that we could have probably used, and honey is in there. So honey represents abundance, blessing, flavor. Not flavor, it does have flavor, but favor is what I misread there. <laughs> plenty uh, you know when, when God was leading the Israelites into the promised land it was a land flowing with milk and honey and so in the Bible anytime you read about honey it's up in, a, in a couple of certain circumstances it's almost always about abundance and blessing it's almost always about the good things of God so uh, Isaiah seven fifteen, Brother Beckham Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know how to refuse the evil and choose the good. So we're going to eat the butter. We're going to eat the honey. We're going to put some butter in here in a minute, too. <laughs> and, and we're going to know how to do good. We're going to know how to not be evil. And so, uh, man, the next up is salt. 
and salt. I mean, who puts salt? I even read, I'm, I'm not a baker. I, I hate following directions. I hate following formulas. Recipes to me are suggestions and not really, not really what I should, what I have to do, but it sort of leads me. But I started looking at some baking recipes. Even the sweetest recipe out there has salt in it. So I was like, why does a recipe for, let's say, a chocolate cake have salt in it? And so being the geek and the nerd that I am, I looked up, why do you put salt in your baking? And salt is like the, the favor of God in your life. Salt enhances the flavor. It makes sweet things sweeter. And it doesn't take much, just a little bit of God. And you've got the sweet things in your life are sweeter. And the, and the flavors in your life just, just explode. Now, also, you know, there are people here that have blood pressure problems and can't eat salt. So, like, okay, what happens if I take salt out of my recipe? And they, they told me that because you saw we put a, a half a teaspoon of salt in this three cups of flour. It's negligible. So there is no benefit for taking it out. But you can't replace the benefit that it has on your baking. So that's, that's like the goodness and the favor of God. So I started getting excited. And my, my friend Al back here is recording me. And uh, I've, I've semi-preached this message to him a couple of times at work. So uh, he, he, knows my, he knows how excited I was getting when I did this. And so, uh, Brother Beckham, show us Colossians 4 and 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you know how you ought to answer every man. So as you, as you are talking with people, as you're with people and you let them see the Jesus in you, season it with salt and, and let, let that flavor of God come through. Because without God, who knows what that flavor might be when you're talking to somebody. All right. So next up, whoo, got excited on this one. Baking powder. How many of my bakers know what baking powder does? All right. Sister Abbott, what does baking powder do? It's a rising agent. Whoo, anybody get what I'm putting out there? <laughs> All right. We're putting some rising agent in here. So baking powder, uh, Brother Beckham, shows Colossians 2 and 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So baking powder, you know, there's this little bit of thing in here, and who even knows what it is? It's a chemical process. It replaces yeast, so we don't have to wait all day. It's fast rising. Woo, rapture. <laughs> fast rising. That's me. I hope I don't pass any of y'all on the way up. <laughs> I sort of hope I'm skydiving when it happens so I can be going down and a <laughs> rubber band got me. <laughs> All right. All right. It's, it's taken on the name of Jesus. It's in there, you know. And so, uh, so then, so these are, these are the dry ingredients. So still, we've got pretty much a worthless mixed bag of nothing. Now, I will tell you that as all this is in there, I dare anybody up here to come out here and pull out the salt, <laughs> pull out the baking powder. I, I can't find it. I can't see it anywhere. And so I don't think even with a good pair of tweezers, I could go through there and take it out in about four years. 
All right. So next up, we have butter. And Brother Beckham, put Isaiah 7 and 22 on the screen for me, please. So to me, butter represents abundance, blessing, the goodness of God. And it shall come to pass for the abundance of milk that they shall give. He shall eat butter, for butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. So again, it just, just adding in the goodness of God and the blessing. And so now I'm going to just incorporate this butter a little bit into here. As we talk about the blessing of God. And, uh, and God just getting... Getting in there. You know, we're getting better and better as we make this process. The butter is getting incorporated into the flour. Um, the goodness of God is going in here. Now, this is not a pie crust. This is a biscuit. And so I want to see visible uh, chunks of butter in here. And that's just like I want in my life. I want the goodness of God to be visible in my life. I want when you, when you sift through me, I want you to see the chunks of butter in there. And I'm cutting them in so that, uh, so that they're not just little clumps and, and the majority of it doesn't have any butter in it. I want butter all throughout. All right, so now I've got flour, got the butter in there. All right, what am I going to do with this mess? Got, got the goodness of God, got flavor in there, got the salt, got the baptism, got risen. But really, you know, if you stop there, you're still not dealing with much. You know, you're better off than you were, but you're not dealing with much. I still wouldn't eat that. But now we throw in the milk, good old cultured buttermilk. Brother Beckham, put up 1 Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So to me, the milk represents the church. It's what brings all this together and what makes it, uh, what makes it more cohesive and what makes it more, um, more palatable. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But now we're going to put the egg in there. And I really couldn't find any Bible verses on egg. But <laughs> the egg, to me, represents the Godhead. You know, you got the yolk. You got the white. You got the shell. That's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's all an egg. But you got those three things in there. And so I didn't bring my whisk over here. Sorry about that. So we're just going to do this with my hands. Aren't you glad I put on gloves? So now I'm just going to mix all this in here and just incorporate it. And so that's what, that's what going to church does. You're around other people. You're around, uh, you're around things of God. You're around teaching. You're around preaching. You're around fellowship. Uh, you're you're uh, focusing on the good things, not just the bad things. So I put in the right amount of church, but 
as I feared, and so I brought extra church. We're going to have a little revival here. Because <laughs> that's, still, that's still too dry. Now, you go to some churches and all the sermons are sort of dry. I haven't experienced that here. I hadn't found a dry sermon yet, Brother Rusty. <laughs> all right. So that's all the ingredients. Do we have biscuits yet? <laughs> all right. So we've done the right things. We've started coming to church. We've, we've immersed ourselves in other things, but we're still, not, we're still not quite there. We're working towards being what God wants us to be. We're working towards getting that miraculous thing happening in our lives. And some things have already, have already happened. I mean, it's, it's just miraculous to me that something as good as a biscuit can come out of all these crazy ingredients that I've put together. So now what do I have to do? Ah, got to put pressure on it, got to knead it, got to get all that stuff incorporated in there, got to make sure that they're there aren't little lumps of me still in there uh, that we get uh, that we get everything mixed together that we have God throughout our life in proportions that we we still rely on the baptism through our proportions of uh, of our of our self here and this mixture that we have going together and I'm gonna have to try this at, at home I, I forgot to bring more flour. And so just to be uh, transparent, I'm using some pancake mix for my flour. It smells so good up here. <laughs> I may have to try that and see if that works out. Now, in baking, you have to sort of do this, uh, but I don't recommend this in your spiritual walk. Sometimes when things get, start sticking together too well, you have to put a little bit more of that flour in there. So try not to insert yourself too much in this process. So I'm just bringing this together, making sure that all the layers are together, that there isn't there any one piece of this that's more important than the rest that has more ingredients than the rest, does more things than the rest. So this is a this is a long process. I, I try to do this about 10 or 15 times till I know for sure that I have gotten everything mixed in together, got it all turned out. I'm just getting God in the church, 
and all this goodness mixed up in my life, exposing myself to more and more things that are good, taking away the things that are bad, taking away the me out of this, and making it all him. So I'm tired of things sticking to me. Somewhere, here they are. Brother Beckham, show us Romans 9, 20 through 21. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me this? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So this is us. We're this, we're this lump of flour, and God is the baker in our life. And we're like, really? You're putting all this pressure on me? Why are you doing this? Why are you making me into a biscuit? I don't want to be a biscuit. Uh, have you ever heard the biscuit talk back to the baker and say, hey, really? I don't want to be a biscuit. Uh, so that's, that's our responsibility is that we don't talk back to God. And, uh, you know, if I had a better surface, this thing wouldn't be rolling all over the place like this. And I think my pancake batter is making this stick. So as, as, uh, as we get this out, we're getting closer and closer to the perfection that we're looking for. We're getting the right uh, depth in our life. We're getting the right breadth. We're getting the things that God wants us to do in there. We're still not perfect. But he's working on us. He's getting us out there, getting us, getting us in. Okay, so I got this rolled out. Do I have biscuits? Now what do I have to do? <laughs> got to cut them. Got to form them. And so we're cutting away the bad things in our life, cutting away the, the things that we don't want incorporated. So pro tip, don't use pancake batter. <laughs> so as we, uh, as we bring this up, you know, we're, we're getting, cutting away the things that we didn't need, the things that are not beneficial to us, the things that uh, are going to cause problems. Um, and we're putting them over here in their, in their usable form. So I don't have my little cooking show mirror up here, uh, but this, this part excites me quite a bit too. So I've got all the shapes cut out that I could cut out of that form, now I'm left with this. So this, this, is, the, this is the parts of me that, that aren't usable, that aren't, uh, that aren't pleasing to God, that aren't there, but guess what? I don't throw them away. I work on them. I need them. I bring God. I incorporate things back in. I need them. I get them rolled out. I get God back in my life. I get, I get those things. I keep working on them. Didn't waste them. Um, this could be likened to some people, you know. We got the perfect people over here, 
And then you got me that was just the scraps, that it was just nothing. And so God put, put all the ingredients back together and says, hey, Rodney, come be a good biscuit. <laughs> all right. And my nickname ain't Biscuits. Y'all can't call me that. <laughs> all right. So, so we're getting more and more biscuits, and they're more and more sticking to my pan, to my board. I'm out of pancake mix. <laughs> anyway, y'all, y'all get the idea. So again, we just we don't throw any of these scraps away. We make them we make them into something usable, something that's going to be delicious, something that's going to be pleasing to God. All right. All right. So now I got a pancake. I mean, sorry, pancake. Pancake. I got a pan full of biscuits. Do I have biscuits? All right. Now what do I have to do? <laughs> All right. I got to bake it. All right. So baking to me is is testing things. It's putting it through the fire. Uh, Brother Beckham, give us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundations can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Leave it there for just a second, Brother Beckham. You notice that we got things that are absolutely going to be awesome. We got, we got gold. We got stones. Uh, we even got some wood, but wood's starting to get iffy. But then we got the bad things, the weak things, the, the things that aren't going to last. We got hay and stubble. Those are things in our life that uh, as, as we go through this scripture, we'll see more. So go into 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And so... As we, put this, as we put this mixture in the oven, as we start baking it, it's burning away anything that might be bad. It's burning away the bacteria. It's burning away the things that they say, hey, this is raw flour. Don't eat this. And we're turning it into something that's edible, something that's good, something that's miraculous. Uh, Philippians 4.18, please, sir. Philippians 4 and 18. Did I forget to write that one down? Let's see who gets there first. <laughs> all right. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So I don't know if any of you have been around biscuits baking, 
but it's a sweet smell. As, as things start burning away that shouldn't have been in there, things that, and then the things that incorporate together and make this a miracle, make this come together, make this awesome and pleasing to God, then um, it sends up a pleasing odor into heaven. It sends up a pleasing odor into God. And that's what our life is. When we start doing the things that we're doing, we get tested by the fire. We're nothing. We're just, we're just lumps of dough until we get tested by the fire, until we go through the process, until we go through what Jesus wants us to go through and to, to change our lives, to mold our lives, to shape our lives, then that sacrifice that we have in our lives, in our, in our beings, that comes up as a sweet-smelling odor to God. So you can see, and, and obviously I don't have an oven up here. By the way, uh, between services, I have some biscuits ready over there if anybody wants a biscuit now that you're hungry. <laughs> um, so uh, you see from raw ingredients, we come to a finished product. We can see that the way God works in our life just by the way that we made some biscuits today. Uh, we, wanna, we want to honor that. We want to allow God in. We want to let him incorporate the things in our life that need to be in there, the salt, the, ras the rising agent, the raw ingredients, the milk, the church coming together, the goodness of God, uh, the favor of God, the sweetness of God. And then as we have that in our lives, we go through the kneading and the forming process to incorporate that all together. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes we don't want to go through that. Sometimes... Uh, uh, our our flour is like, no, I like to be in powder. I like to be in dust. But no, now I want to be dough. I want to I want to come together. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to be what I need to be uh, and to be pleasing to God. And then that's still not enough. We still have to go through tests. We still have to go through trials. We still have to we still have to do the things that God wants us to do here on this earth so that we can make that sacrifice, so that we can go through the heat. And then we see the miracle come out on the other end. And so we can't live that for anybody else. You know, you know I know at the beginning I read the verse, the Great Commission, go therefore into all the world to make disciples of all men. I can't make you a disciple. I can barely, I really can't make me a disciple. I can offer me up to God and follow him, choose to follow him, choose to be that but there's still going to be some lumps in that flower that have to get incorporated, have to get worked out. But I can't do it for any of you. I can't do it for my kids. I can't do it for my parents, my brothers, my sisters. I can only do it for me. And so that's the same thing with you guys. As you go out, you know, just, just be you. Just be the flower that you are. Be the dough that you are. Help pick up the lump. Help pick up the, the other things out there uh, so that they can see what it's like to be part of that. Uh, and so I'm going to... I'm gonna, leave you with uh, one of my favorite non-Christian singers. Her name is Casey Musgraves, and she has a song called Biscuits. <laughs> and the closing on, on the biscuits, closing sound on, on, or a song on the biscuits is mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. <laughs> Alright? <laughs> so, that's it, guys. <laughs>